Well, this weekend is not going the way I expected it would go. I thought right now we would be uh, together in the church building launching our week of consecration, but instead we're snowed in at home. I hear some of you are without power. Um, we are praying that that gets resolved really quickly. If you have any trouble today, please reach out to me or Amanda or the church office and we will do what we can to help you. A couple of weeks ago, I tried to share about the week of consecration, and I said that of the things that I've done since starting at this church and the things I've done connected to the reaccreditation process, this week of consecration is the thing which has carried the most spiritual weight for me and feels really, really important. And when I tried to share that two weeks ago, in the middle of that uh piece of conversation the microphone stopped working and was cutting in and out and I, I got frustrated thinking it, it just typical that at a moment like that when things uh, are really important that something silly like that would get in the way of being able to communicate the weightiness of the event so the irony is not lost on me that on a day like today where I thought we were going to be gathered together to launch this week of consecration, which I think carries so much spiritual weight for a church, that this is the one day in the last year that we're having to cancel church um, because of the weather. So someone or something out there doesn't want this week to happen. Uh, and so I share that just to say it gives me renewed confidence that this week is something that is really important for the life of our church. So I want you to uh, take it seriously and I'm inviting you to invest really intensely in this week to allow God to do all that he wants to do in and through our church. So by way of reminder, this week is the week of consecration starting today. Um, and so we have some things uh, planned to help with this week. So first of all, you should already have received in your inbox a copy of our prayer guide for the week of consecration. We have a theme for each day to help walk us through what it looks like to consecrate ourselves to the Lord and be ready for reaccreditation next week. Um, so check out that prayer guide. It has some scripture readings and some prompts and activities for you to help guide guide you in the process this week. Uh, on top of that, starting tomorrow, Monday through Saturday at 7 a.m., we're going to have a Zoom prayer for half an hour. So different people will be leading uh, around the theme for that day. So you'll jump on, uh, there will be a, a brief devotional, and then we'll spend time praying together to set apart the day around the theme. Uh, so that's 7 a.m. each morning for 30 minutes. And then at 7 p.m. Monday through Friday, we're going to gather in the building for some prayer and worship as we come together corporately um, to praise God, to reflect on the theme for the day, um, to wrap it up and to engage in some corporate confession and repentance um, in preparation for uh, the reaccreditation celebration that's happening this Sunday uh, January 21st. So as I said, there's a prayer guide that's on the way into your inbox. So be sure to check it out uh, and use it. We believe that will really help you engage this week uh, to its fullest. There are a couple of words I want to share as we start this morning. Uh, the first word is this, or first phrase is this, threshold moment. 
Threshold moments are places or points of entering or beginning. They are crossover points in life. So our life is full of threshold moments. Our birthdays, um, spring, summer, fall, winter, uh, new year. We've just passed a threshold moment where we left 2023 and into 2024. Threshold moments are natural events that bring about re a reflective posture. Um, and there are lots of them in scripture. We see a, a threshold moment when Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. We see it um, with Israel, Moses leading Israel out of Egypt. We see it with Joshua leading people into the promised land. We see it, the establishment of the tabernacle, the establishment of the temple. We see it as different judges uh, lead and different kings lead and different prophets take leadership. We see a key threshold moment where Jesus comes in the incarnation. We've just celebrated that through the Advent series uh, and season. We see it in Pentecost. Um, we see it as we look ahead to the ultimate threshold moment where Jesus will return for his bride, the church, and reestablish his kingdom in all its fullness. So threshold moments are significant in scripture. Um, threshold moments cause us to stop and to reflect. Um, uh, and yeah, we are approaching a threshold moment as we walk into reaccreditation as a church. And um, the other phrase that I want us to think about is liminal space. Liminal space is the transition period between what was and what will be, between what was and what's next. And as a church, we are in a liminal space. Um, who we've been as a church in this whole redevelopment process is coming to an end. Uh, and this new season of reaccreditation as we uh, have our autonomy re-established as a church as the district leadership uh, speaks over us that we are healthy and whole and heading the right direction and we get their endorsement that we are free to lead our church forward under the banner of the Christian Missionary Alliance. Uh, we're in this liminal space. And liminal spaces are often the places where God does his deepest work. Um, so this is one of those moments uh, where we are in the in-between uh, season and God wants to do a deep work in us and often in scripture in those liminal spaces as the people of God approach a threshold moment God invites them or commands them uh, to engage in the process of consecration and so that's why this week we're making a big deal of consecrating ourselves in order for God to do his fullest work in us. Uh, the people of Israel, as they are wandering around the wilderness and getting ready to cross the River Jordan into the promised land, uh, God speaks to Joshua and Joshua comes to the people and he says to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That's Joshua 3 verse 5. That verse is a uh, a, an invitation and a promise. It's the command or the invitation to consecrate ourselves. Uh, and then the promise that comes with it, that out of consecration through his people, God is able to do amazing things through us and for us. Consecration is the act that prepares us to cross thresholds. Consecration prepares us uh, to cross thresholds. And so this is the work we're doing this week to ready ourselves individually and corporately as a church, readying ourselves for all that God has in store as we cross this threshold moment. I want to spend time just 
working through Second Chronicles chapter 29. Um, this is a moment where the temple is being rededicated under Hezekiah. And there is so much richness in this passage for what it means uh, to, to engage in the work of consecration. So I'm going to start at the end of chapter 28 um, to set context, walk into 29 and just read a little bit after in chapter 30 um, to frame this. And then I'll work through this passage in a little more detail to talk about what it is that we're doing this week. So Second Chronicles 28, starting in verse 22, says, In his time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. He offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who defeated them. For he thought, since the gods of the king of Aram have helped them, I'll sacrifice to them so they will help me. But they were his downfall and the downfall of all Israel. Ahaz gathered together the furnishings from the temple of God and cut them in pieces. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple and set up altars at every street corner in Jerusalem. In every town in Judah, he built high places to burn sacrifices to other gods and aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of his ancestors. So Ahaz, uh, a king that is failing in his pursuit of Jesus, chasing after other gods and leading the people of Israel away from the worship of God. So by the time we reach chapter 29, King Hezekiah has to rebirth worship in the temple, rededicate the people to the Lord and undo the horrific work that he has had, had committed. So in chapter 29, starting in verse 3, this is what happens. In the first month of the first year of Hezekiah's reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites. Levites assembled them in the square on the east side and said, listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourself now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord and God forsook them. And they did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him, to minister before him and to burn incense. Then the Levites set to work. Jump into verse 15. When they'd assembled their fellow Levites and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord as the king had ordered following the word of the Lord. The priests went into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. They brought out to the courtyard of the Lord's temple everything unclean that they found in the temple of the Lord. The Levites took it and carried it out to the Kidron Valley. They began the consecration on the first day of the first month, and by the eighth day of the month they'd reached the portico of the Lord. For eight more days they consecrated the temple of the Lord itself, finishing on the sixteenth day of the month. 
Then they went into King Hezekiah and reported, We've purified the entire temple of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the table for setting out the consecrated bread with all its articles. We've prepared and consecrated all the articles that King Ahaz removed in his unfaithfulness while he was king. They are now in front of the Lord's altar. Early the next morning, King Hezekiah gathered the city officials together and went up to the temple of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven male lambs, and seven male goats as a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for Judah. The king commanded the priests, the descendants of Aaron, to offer these on the altar of the Lord. So they slaughtered the bulls and the priests, took the blood and splashed it against the altar. Next, they slaughtered the rams and splashed their blood against the altar. Then they slaughtered the lambs and splashed their blood against the altar. The goats for the sin offering were brought before the king and the assembly, and they laid their hands on them. The priests then slaughtered the goats and presented their blood on the altar for a sin offering to atone for all Israel because the king had ordered the burnt offering and the sin offering for all Israel. He stationed the Levites in the temple of the Lord with cymbals, harps and lyres in the way prescribed by David and Gad the king's seer and Nathan the prophet. This was commanded by the Lord through his prophets. So the Levites stood ready with David's instruments and the priests with their trumpets. Hezekiah gave the order to sacrifice the burnt offering on the altar. As the offering began, singing to the Lord began also, accompanied by trumpets and the instruments of David, king of Israel. The whole assembly bowed in worship while the musicians played and the trumpets sounded. All this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offerings was completed. When the offerings were finished, the king and everyone present with them knelt down and worshipped. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed down and worshipped. Then Hezekiah said, You have now dedicated yourselves to the Lord. Come and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the temple of the Lord. So the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings, and all whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings. The number of burnt offerings the assembly brought was 70 bulls, 100 rams, and 200 male lambs, all of them burnt offerings to the Lord. The animals consecrated as sacrifices amounted to 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep and goats. The priests, however, were too few to skin all the burnt offerings, so their relatives, the Levites, helped them until the task was finished and until other priests had been consecrated. For the Levites had been more conscientious in consecrating themselves than the priests had been. There were burnt offerings in abundance, together with the fat of the fellowship offering and the drink offerings that accompanied the burnt offerings. So the service of the temple of the Lord was re-established. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. Chapter 30, verse 25. A great number of priests consecrated themselves. The entire assembly of Judah rejoiced along with the priests and Levites and all who had assembled from Israel, including the foreigners who had come from Israel and also those who resided in Judah. There was great joy in Jerusalem, for since the days of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. The priests and the Levites stood to bless the people, and God heard them, for their prayer reached heaven, his holy dwelling place. When all this had ended, this is chapter 31, when all this had ended, the, the Israelites who were there went out to the towns of Judah, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. They destroyed the high places and the altars throughout Judah and Benjamin and Ephraim and Manasseh. After they destroyed all of them, 
the Israelites returned to their own towns and their own property. Such a powerful story as Hezekiah looks at what happened before, the ways that people had departed from what God wanted from them, and then looking ahead at this work of uh, recommitting the temple to God, uh, he engaged in this powerful work as he called the people to consecrate themselves to the Lord. This passage is full of examples of what that looks like. And so I want to run through now uh, nine things that are in this passage that are going to frame what it is that we do this week as we engage in the work of consecration. So number one, they consecrated themselves. It says, he brought the priests and the Levites, assembled them in the square on the east side and said, listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. I think it's important to note God didn't consecrate the temple and God didn't consecrate the people. The people had to do the work of consecration. They had to work through the building uh, and, and take out the things that didn't honor God. They had to come together and worship. So, uh, so first point, they did the work of consecration. So this week, uh, the work of consecration will only be as effective as the level of work that you're putting in. So my invitation, my encouragement, or my exhortation to you is take this week seriously. Engage the work of consecration and do the hard and intense work of consecrating yourself to the Lord. And number two, they purged defilement. It says in verse five and six, they removed all the defilement from the sanctuary. They brought out into the courtyard of the Lord everything unclean that they found in the temple. Part of the work of consecration is the work of purging. We are looking at the ways that we fall short of God, the ways individually and corporately we do not do what God wants us to do. And it's the pro it's a time to purge. It's a time to work through our lives and rid ourselves of distraction, um, of the things that we have in our homes that dishonor God. It's a time to get filters on our phones to help navigate the distractions and the impurities that digital technology can bring to us. Um, but the invitation is to remove from our lives all the things that, that bring defilement uh, to our lives and dishonor God. Number three, uh, they recommitted to serving God. Uh, it says in verse 10, I intend to make a covenant with the Lord uh, so that God will turn his fierce anger from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him, to minister before him and burn incense. We have a holy calling. As a church, we say that we want to be walking houses of prayer where people encounter Jesus. Um, we have a calling as priests to be offering the incense of our intercession to the Lord. We're called as priests to mediate between God and the world, revealing his truth to them, helping them understand who he is and his law. We have a call and a purpose to serve the Lord individually and as a church in our city. And so this week is a week to recommit to your service to God. It's a week to rediscover your calling as a priest in the kingdom of God. It's, it's an 
opportunity to reassert the purpose as people who serve and minister before the Lord, burning the incense of our intercession before him on behalf of our church and behalf of the fallen and broken world around us. So this week, I invite you, recommit to serve God. Evaluate the gifts that you have, the talents that you have, uh, the passions that you have. Reevaluate what God expects of us as his people and make an inner commitment that I am going to step out to do the things that God calls me to do. Number four, they purified the temple. This sounds a lot like the purging before. Um, it says here, when they assembled the fellow Levites and consecrated themselves, they went into the temple to purify it. They went into the, sanctif the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. And, uh, and we are as the body of Christ, we are the temple of the Lord. Yes, there's work that may need to be done to go into the building that we meet in to purify it and set it apart. And we'll do that through our corporate worship times. Uh, we do that whenever we engage in weeks of 24-7 prayer. But this is the invitation. We are the temple of God. We together. And so we want to purify the temple. We want to get rid of the things in our lives that don't honor God. We want to expose the areas of brokenness that often exist in secret. Um, and we want to walk forward in, in purity together because we know um, that where we walk in the deepest level of purity, God is the freest to work through us to do what he wants to do in us and in our city. Number five. Verse 20 says, early the next morning, King Hezekiah gathered the city officials together and went up to the temple of the Lord. So point five, they gathered together to seek God. And that's why this week we're having a time in the morning and a time in the evening that we gather together. So join us at 7 a.m. Monday to Saturday um, to pray. Join us Monday to Friday at 7 p.m. as we worship and we seek God's heart and we uh, exalt who he is and we call upon him. We confess our sins together and we corporately repent of the ways that we've fallen short as we seek his heart, his vision, uh, his character and choose to live those things in the world. So this is not me just trying to fill your week with busyness, but this is us following the pattern of scripture as the people came together to seek the face of God as they consecrated themselves. Number six, they made offerings. In verses 31 and 32, they brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven male lambs, seven goats. Uh, they, they brought a ridiculous number of offerings in the thousands, 70 bulls, 100 rams, 200 male lambs. So many that there weren't enough priests to handle them and they had to call in their family members to help in the work of dealing with these offerings. So we've not put anything in the guide and we've not made any call to the church during this season uh, to give generously to the church. Actually, I want to do the opposite. I want you to encourage you this week to think about people in need, to think about organizations um, that you value the work that they're doing. Think about places like Love Inc. in our city that help the needy in, in, in very important ways. Think about the Christian Missionary Alliance has the Great Commission Fund that funds the work of global evangelism. Um, and there are lots of other organizations, the Salvation Army just down the street, that depend on the generosity of people 
um, in order to function. And so uh, this week, as you engage in consecration, think about what it looks like to give generously, to make an offering to the Lord. If you want to give something to the church, feel free. But I'd encourage you to look at some of the other entities out there that that uh, need the the resources of God behind them. And as you engage in consecration, considering giving something somewhere that would honor God in this season. Number seven, they dealt with their sin. Uh, verse 23 and 24, they took the goats of the sin offering, brought them before the king in assembly. They laid their hands on them, passing their sin onto the animal symbolically. And then the priests slaughtered the goats and presented the blood on the altar for a sin offering to atone for all of Israel. Um, and so they they... They dealt with their sin. They went after the atoning work that wiped the slate clean so that they could walk forward into the promised land with no defilement in their beings. And so this week, uh, part of the prayer guide invites us to look at the various areas of sin in our life, the ways we fall short, um, the ways we don't do what God calls us to do, the way we do the things that he tells us not to do. Um, and we're going to examine those. We're going to look at some of the uh, people we've hurt, some of the people that have hurt us, and deal with some of the resentments and bitternesses and unforgivenesses that are in our life. And we want to look back at the historic things in our church. If you've been around the church for a long time, what are the areas of brokenness that we've carried as a church that we want to lay aside as we walk into this new season? Um, so we're going to deal with our sin together, lay those down before Jesus and walk into this new season with purity. Number eight, they worshipped wholeheartedly. And um, verse 15, verse 29, verse 30, lots of verses in here. But it says, Hezekiah stationed the Levites in the temple of the Lord with symbols, harps, lyres, and the way prescribed by David. When the offerings were finished, the king and everyone present knelt down and they worshipped. Uh, so they sang praises with gladness and they bowed down and they worshipped the Lord. Um, so this is a week of worship. Uh, worship is at the heart of who we are as God's people and worship lies at the heart of consecration. It's about remembering who he is. It's about giving him his rightful place. It's about picturing him on the throne and coming and falling before him, casting our crowns at his feet, breaking our hearts open before him as we declare his goodness. Um, and so this week, every night, Monday through Friday, we are going to gather and we're going to worship our hearts out calling on God, declaring who he is, and setting him on the throne of our church as we walk in to this new season. And lastly, number nine, uh, they were re-established, verses 35 and 36. The service of the temple of the Lord was re-established. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. All of this work is because God is re-establishing the work of our church here in Hillsborough and the surrounding area. God is affirming the work that we have done over the last few years to re 
focus on him, to bring prayer back to the center, to stand firmly on the word of God, to revision what the mission of God is in our area. He has re-established our work and re-accreditation on the 21st as Steve Fowler from the district office comes in with the authority of the denomination to say, well done church, you have done the work that was needed to become healthy and whole again. You're now released and free to lead forward in the way of Jesus with full autonomy. In that moment, God is re-establishing who we are in this city. And somehow spiritually, the fabric of our society changes as we are given a new authority and released to function different in our city here in Hillsborough. And I believe everything we do this week as we engage in the work of consecration is setting up the level of fruit and abundance that God wants to pour over us as we walk in to this new season. So this week, here's what I ask of you. Engage fully. Give your whole heart to the work of consecration as much as it's possible. Rearrange your schedule to be involved and dive in. Be rigorous. Be zealous in consecrating yourself to the Lord. So four things this week. One, the daily prayer guide. Use it. It has topics every day to help you focus and guide you through what it looks like to consecrate yourself to the Lord. There are scripture readings, there are questions, there are some activities to engage in. And, and I would encourage you as you do it, share, uh, share what you're learning and finding with the people around you that you trust. So engage the prayer guide, number one. Number two, morning prayer, 7 a.m. on Zoom. Join us as we set up the day uh, and ask God to move together. Number three, evening prayer, Monday through Friday, we'll have prayer and worship at the church at 7 p.m. for one hour. Come together as we engage in this corporate response, wrapping up the day together. And then lastly, fasting. There's information in the prayer guide about fasting, and I'd encourage you to consider what it looks like to fast to some degree during this week of consecration. Biblically, fasting and consecration went together. Um, but in particular, we are calling a 24-hour fast leading up to reaccreditation. So what does that mean? Wake up on Saturday morning, eat a good big breakfast, and then start your fast. So skip lunch on Saturday, skip dinner on Saturday, skip breakfast on Sunday morning, and then come ready to break fast with us at the potluck on Sunday after the reaccreditation service. Um, there are some other instructions in there. If you have health issues, if you're pregnant, fasting is not advised. You might want to consider a partial fast instead. So say for 24 hours, I'm just going to eat vegetables, or I'm just going to drink water instead of coffee, or I'm not going to have any sugary stuff, or I'm going to avoid screens. Um, there are lots of ways to do a partial fast, but we'd ask that for those 24 hours in particular, that as a whole church, we would engage in a 24-hour fast, readying our hearts um, for Sunday morning and and preparing ourselves as best we can for this new season that God is launching us into. So I'll finish as I began with the command and the promise of Joshua chapter 3. Joshua told the people, so arise church, hear these words, consecrate yourselves 
for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So this week, dig fully into the work of consecration and know that the degree to which we consecrate ourselves, it opens the floodgates of heaven that God can move in us and through us, that the people we know will encounter Jesus through the work that we do, that the lost will be saved and our Savior will be exalted. I love you. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow.